This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Shalom and welcome to Practical Spirituality. Here at Asia Torah in the old city of Jerusalem, overlooking the Western Wall. Thank you for joining, and obviously click and hit all those bells and whistles over there, the follows, the subscribes, and all those things. And for sure, join the media club, <laughs> YomTovMediaClub.com, help support us, get the message out, so people like Yosef can keep filming. Thank you, Yosef, and welcome back from Guatemala. <laughs> so, anyway, um, so there's something that's, that's it, it just doesn't sound very politically correct. The Jewish people start their morning with a blessing, thanking God for not having made them a Gentile. <laughs> just doesn't sound good, you know, like, like, why do the Jews have a blessing? Thank you, God, for not having made me a Gentile. Like, what is wrong with being a Gentile? Like, that it would get you know, and it goes on. It only gets worse, by the way. Well, no, it gets better, and then it gets worse. The next blessing is thanking God for not having made me an, a slave. You know, they, that one makes some sense. Like, who wants to be a slave? Although, the truth is, is if you've ever been someone's servant, it is a pretty awesome feeling. And and if you're from California, not having to like take responsibility for anything. <laughs> You know, because they feed you, they clothe you, they house you, you know. It's like, I'm sure a lot of Californians would go for slavery, you know, off the hook completely from having to take care of yourself. And all you got to do is like a couple tasks. And by the way, when we say slavery, we're not talking about the way Americans treated black people. You know, that is not the definition of slavery. And Sam Harris, you know, wake up and smell the coffee, you know, when you want to... Every time he tries to slam Judaism, it always has to do with slavery. And it's like, you, you'd, you'd, Sam, you'd be happy to be a, a slave, <laughs> according to the Jewish definition. It's, you know what a hassle it is? You have, to feed, you have to feed someone. Someone who's serving you, you have to feed him before you feed yourself. You know, he's not allowed to work on Sabbath. Like, what would be the best part of having a slave? Is that you can get him working on the Sabbath while we have to keep the Sabbath. You got him doing everything. No. He gets to keep the Sabbath just like the Jew. It's like, like what exactly is, where, where's, the, where's the slavery part? And the answer is, is that it's just an easy thing to grind against Judaism is by, by not defining terms, which someone as intellectual as you, Sam Harris, um, should have defined your terms on that and just said like, let's see the Jewish definition of slavery before we slam Judaism. You know, like, it's like the most basic thing in the world is like define your terms. He's a debater, you know, if you, he's a masturbator. And the and of all the masturbators in the world, like, there's no one like Sam Harris, and he knows of all people, that you define your terms. And, but no, we're going to leave, leave this word slavery totally for modern people to, to determine the definition of, which, of course, everyone immediately turns to, like, oops. Or something, and you know, has people like getting their legs chopped off for trying to run away, you know. And it's like, no, not our definition, not our definition. And and in fact, slavery could have been the best thing in a no person in those days, you know, because uh, for example, for example, owing someone uh, big time could ruin your life, whereas if if being indentured could actually earn you back your life because you're totally taken care of. How do you pay someone back when you got to pay your own bills? I mean, I think every 
person in this room who's over the age of 30 has had that question. How do I deal with my debt while still keeping myself afloat? And the answer is, you don't have to keep yourself afloat. You owe someone money, he takes care of you from now on. The guy you owe takes care of you. And you just, your, your handy works his for a while. And, a, and, and even a, a minimum of years, like the minimum of years, minimum of time, he owns your handiwork. You know, and the, and the, and the Torah even says it, if the guy loves it, it's because it's so cushy. Because, you know, being a slave is so cushy. And you so loved it, says Judaism, that on the seventh year where everyone goes free, every seventh year, meaning you're no longer a servant, which means if you owe that guy four years' work, but you only became his servant on the sixth year, you wind up only have to pay one. And he's paid back as far as the Torah is concerned. Meaning even though you owe him another three years' worth of money, you're off the hook on the seventh year. Because the seventh year, everybody goes free. But if you happen to be feeling like, hey, my job was so cushy, and I so loved being a servant for that guy, that I want to stay. Well, you can choose to stay. And you know what happens? You get an ear piercing. <laughs> they pierce your ear. Where? Against doorpost. I mean, you've got to have a backdrop for the ear piercing. No matter what you do when you pierce someone's ear, you put something behind it and then pierce it. So, I mean, today they have little punchers, but in the old days, you know, you put a little wood block or something behind the ear, and then you punch a hole in the ear. So, what did, what did they use for the wood block behind the ear? The doorpost. Why? Because the doorpost is where we put, and those who are Gentiles listening to this know we put a little mezuzah on there. It's a, it's a you know, it's got the Shema Yisrael in it. It's got the, the hero Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. So, they, that we, you know, that, that scripture that we put on our doors... That scripture is where what's on the doorpost, and so and so you got to nail the guy's ear. You know, you pierce his ear against the doorpost where the mezuzah is. Why? Because how dare you choose? How dare you choose to not be free? The ear that heard the Torah, the ear that heard the ultimate freedom offered, chooses to be indentured, chooses to be a servant of another. The person who was offered the ultimate freedom has, would choose to be indentured. Well, that ear is getting a hole in it. And that's an ear piercing right there. And this is why Jews don't pierce their ears. No offense if you pierced your ears, by the way. But men, Jewish men don't pierce their ears. Is, uh, the reason they don't pierce their ears is because, uh, because of this. Because it's a, it's a sign of, of the one who chose slavery. And, and by the way, it's not a big deal if your ears are pierced, obviously, you, or tattooed. You know, we're not allowed to tattoo, but you didn't know. You know and you, so now your ears are pierced. And by the way, there's no prohibition in the Torah against piercing ears. So my bro over here with the ears pierced, or no, uh, what do you got, nose pierced? Ears no? Uh, no, anymore. <laughs> not anymore. So that at least gets better. You know, we have, we have a guy in our yeshiva who's practically a rabbi today who had the big hoops. So he's got, now he's just got these, like, floppy earlobes. He's got some you know? plugs. Yeah, yeah, he ain't got no plugs now. Now he's just flopping around, you know. And he'll marry some girl who always wanted a guy with floppy earlobes. <laughs> anyway, but they, but that's why there's there's no peers. It's very, it's really amazing. My in my upbringing, my father had certain rules, and one of them is you don't leave the Shabbos table during the meal, which is really funny because we didn't have a lot of other rules in the house, but that was one of them. It's like you just sit there and and deal with all the adult conversation as a kid. And it was probably very good for us, actually. We probably grew a lot as a result of it, because 
we were out of our depth in the conversations, but you don't leave. And if you did get up, you know, you're, it's just me a question where you're going exactly. And the and so that was one thing. And another one was we were not allowed tattoos, and we weren't allowed piercings. And those were the rules. And and we had so few rules that I think we kept up the few we had as a result. Now, um, I think as a result of no rules, the few we had were like, oh, I guess these will give us some sense that we're safe. Because rules are what makes kids feel safe. And for kids like my brothers and I, we were like, give us a rule, we'll break it. You know, like we were, we were like born to break rules. But it's interesting that the few we had, we kept. And it was probably for that reason, is like, Rules are what make, give kids a sense of security, you know, like they, it shows them the edge of the world, you know, where's the edge of this place? And, and so we had very few of them and we, we all kept them, even though, you know, we got about a thousand calls home from school a day, you know, just saying like, your monster did this. So um, anyway, back to us. So the Torah, the Torah, uh, we say every day, our blessings in the morning. We say every day that God didn't make us a Gentile, didn't make us a servant. The third one's like, really not politically correct, is for not having made me a woman. You know, which is like, which is like, gee, that's going to go over well. You know, in 2020 with all the millennials, you know, for not having, but we actually make it every day. I said it this morning. You know, I stare, I have five daughters and a wife, so that makes six females in my house and I just looked at all of them and shook my head with disdain as I said the blessing for not having made me a woman. Just kidding. No disdain. And, uh, and, and guess what my girls said? They, they answered. They answered, well, they said amen, yeah. Because I think they're all very happy their father was not made a woman. And, uh, and they think that was good. And the... And the, but, they, but they answered with their own blessing, and what their blessing is, is quite holy. Their blessing is, because women, when they get to that part, they say, you didn't make me a Gentile, you didn't make me a slave, and the third one is that you created me, Kirit Sinai, yet you created, that he created me according to his will. Now that's pretty interesting, too, because he made me according to his will. It sounds like a bit of a booby prize, considering the men are like, that he didn't make me a woman, is real emphatic, whereas he made me according to his will could mean anything. You know, I mean, like, well, we could say that, too, because he made us according to his will as well. You know, so... So let's go into him. Let's start with uh, that he didn't make me a Gentile. Now, I'm going to refer to, using the key to all this, I'm going to refer to the great rabbi, Rav Shach. Rav Shach, who lived in B'nai Brak and uh, uh, passed away... I don't know how many years ago, but I was at his funeral, meaning he's a, he was a contemporary of us, of ours in this generation. Uh, but one of the great, great uh, Talmudim, uh, one of the great people of the world. And, and um, you know, there's actually a story about him. I can't remember the story exactly, but, but there was a, um, I think, a, you're not supposed to keep old shoes and, and there, but there was an old pair of shoes that were that Rav Shach had. An old pair that Rav Shach had in his house. There was an old pair of kids' shoes, and 
I don't remember the story, so it's such a shame because it was a beautiful story. But someone asked him, like, what's with these old shoes? And he said they were given to him as a gift. And he said, well, what was the nature of the gift? And, and the answer is, is that he, when he was a child in Europe, his parents had sent him away to, um, to, to uh, study. Because in that town, there was no serious study. So they sent him multiple cities away, and, and he, um, he had to walk to get there. And what happened was, the, uh, the, the, when World War I broke out, the, there was just too much danger. And so the, the Rosh Yeshiva, the head of the Yeshiva, the head of the academy, sent all the kids home. And so this kid walked home, you know, for days. And, and when he got home, his mother's like, what are you doing here? And he's like, we were sent home because of the war. And she says, go back. And he walked back. But by the time he had done all this walking, for, like he was literally covering like regions of Europe on these walks as a child. And he, uh, when he went back, by that time, his shoes were history. And, uh, and he became one of the greats of Israel. He showed up back to this Rosh Hashiva. The Rosh Hashiva, the head of the academy, was like sitting by himself. And this kid returned from some other part of Europe because his mother's like, you know, like, go back and study. Like, like, better to die studying than live without scholarship. And anyway, but they, those shoes stayed in that family. I guess the Rosh Hashiva kept the shoes and it stayed in his family. Eventually were returned to... The family, to Rav Shach himself, who died at a hundred and something years old as one of the great leaders of Israel, um, just um, not even a decade ago, maybe fifteen, maybe a little more than a decade ago. So we're going to use him as the key. Why is it saying that he didn't make me a Gentile? You know why he said that? He says because it's the beginning of the day, it's the top of the day. Who says you're not a Gentile at the beginning of the day? Who says you're not a Gentile? Meaning, you want to call yourself a Jew? We could do that at bedtime. Let's see how you behaved. Let's see how your day went. You can't start the day thanking God for making you a Jew. Because you make you a Jew. You make you a Jew. This really amazing thought. You know, like, like he's basically saying, you're, what makes you a Jew? You know, you're born, because you're born a Jew? I know a lot of Jews who, you know, I'd, I'd rather hang out with a Gentile, personally, from the, these, the behavior of these Jews, you know. I'd, I'd, I'll hang out with Gentiles, please, you know, because Jews are known to be, like, bigger rule breakers than, than Gentiles. I think we react strongly. When we're not keeping Torah, we're going to be, like, we're going all the way. I, I, I mean, it's like the Jews, Jews make Greeks look Jewish, you know, like, like, we, we're really, uh, we're good at being secular, but really good at being secular. And, and we're going to, we'll push the limits on everything. And you, you find that in Israel. Um, in general, you'll find in the, in the community of Israel, the Jews that really despise their own Judaism, they're, um, they're generally incredibly good at something, you know, whether it be classical music or or making wine, or making beer, or um, or in, even in the high tech world, like you'll generally find that they are that they're they're going to excel. Because if you want to ignore Torah, 
but you still have the Jewish hard drive. You know, so if you want to ignore the software of the Torah and everything Torah is about, if you want to just pretend that doesn't exist, well, you're going to have to make up for it somewhere. And so you're just going to be a connoisseur of something and probably be really good at something. And so, which, by the way, I, I, I have to say that I do reap the benefits living in Israel of all this connoisseurship because I'm also a bit of a connoisseur of things. I'm really into Torah. I'm not into making beer. But yes, I take advantage of the secular Israelis who have decided to make it their, you know, single-minded focus to create amazing craft beer. And, and so that's certainly going to be on my Shabbos table. And when I, when I go to a concert, you know, if I'm going to go to a rock concert, you know, the musicianship's just going to be way over the top. You know, it's going to be almost mimicking the 70s and 80s in musicianship, which has gone the way of the dodo. You know, like today everything's computerized and, you know, it's just canned music. And the Israel, Israel, you can still go see an awesome rock band with all the most, you know, and it's not, it doesn't sound 70s, not at all, not at all. It sounds 2020, but the, the melodies, the musicianship, the, the size of the band, you know, like, like what kind of band has a sitar player, you know, like, this isn't, this is, don't ask. <laughs> That's your first question oh, of three oh, sure. of Eva. Yeah. So, and, uh, you know, a sitar player is like, this isn't an Indian meditation here. You know, like, uh, like we're not meditating. This is a rock concert, but there's the sitar guy, you know, and, and it's, you know, and there's 10 musicians on stage. Like, wh what's up with that? And the answer is, Israelis are going to go all the way. You know, they just go all the way with everything. And it's awesome to be in such a country because I'm all about all the way, you know. When I go mountain biking, you know, obviously I ride exotic bikes, but I'm out there with all these high-tech guys on exotic bikes. And, of, of course, they're, they're going to be taken aback that the guy ripping down the trail sports these babies, you know, because I, I really believe in being that renaissance guy who's going to, you know, and when we get back to the car and I open up the ice chest, full of, uh, you know, IPAs that, you know, go down after sports like no other beer. And, and they're just like, yeah, you know. And, they, and we, we just do everything great here. But unfortunately, it's, it's often at the expense of their Judaism. You know, it's like, it's like, yeah, yeah, that Jewish stuff, not for me, but boy, are we good at this, you know, which might be, who knows, medical technology. We get that benefit. Now, um, I think we need to back up, because I took something for granted that I don't think is appropriate. <laughs> and that is that, remember I said before, you are a Gentile until proven otherwise. You know, you're a Gentile until proven otherwise. Let's see how you do today. You want to make a blessing for having been made a Jew? Make it at the end of your day, having acted like, having acted like one. Which the obvious, the obvious inference is that Gentiles are not that ideal. You understand? That's not a very politically correct inference either. So I didn't fix things on the politically correct. I made things worse now. Before we said, we have a blessing for not having made me a Gentile, and now I made things even worse by saying that, that you are a Gentile until proven otherwise. So that, didn't, that should not have made things better on the politically correct level. 
Um, so I got to fix that. You want me to fix that before I take the question, or you want me to fix that now? I'll fix it first. So, what does it mean to be a Gentile? What, one second. What, what does it mean to be a Gentile? What is the Torah calling a Gentile, and what is the Torah calling a Jew? So, it's very, very simple. What the Torah is calling, to, calling a Gentile is meaning just an inhabitant of earth. That's all. An inhabitant of earth. Get up, drink your coffee, go to work, make a family, be, uh, be a contribution to the planet. You know, but work a day's work, keep the system running, don't harm anybody. You know, as Hillel said to the Gentile, who asked him to teach him the whole Torah on one foot, you know, while balancing on one foot. So, meaning, tell me the whole Torah in one sentence. So he told the Gentile, like, don't harm people in a way that you'd find harmful. Basics, you know, like, don't be abusive. So, what's abusive? If you harm somebody, you may not have known what you were doing. That's not called abusive. But if you harm someone in a way that you know is harmful, that's called abusive. So basically he said, don't be an abuser. That's all. Now go back to work and enjoy your family and enjoy your fireplace and, and have a nice glass of wine at the end of the day and stare into your wife's eyes and enjoy your children and and make sure what you did for a living, you did it well in such a way that it contributed something. That's all. That's what it means to be a Gentile. Which sounds like pretty much what most people would like to have happen in their lives. Being a Jew, on the other hand, is kind of a taller order. Being a Jew means that you are punched in full-time to God. Your full-time God awareness. Meaning if the Gentile thought of God at one point, either that Sabbath or that week, if the Gentile like had a thought of God, wonderful. If the Gentile didn't have a thought of God, so maybe a thought of God this month. That's nice. Thought of God. You know, that's a good thing. And probably good they give thanks a little before they eat or something, or maybe after. You know, it's nice to think about God once in a while. But not, you know, a big deal if he didn't. Main thing is enjoy, you know, make make something good happen as a result of you having been on the planet. Jews, on the other hand, whoa, it's like full time plugged in. Be plugged in full time, like just be totally plugged in at all times. Now I know a lot of people probably watching this know Jews that aren't that plugged in, but the uh, and maybe they plug in on. You know, I think some people see their kiva as kind of a punch card. You know, like a work punch card where you come in and you punch the card because you came to work and you punch out. So I think a lot of Jews look at their kiva as a punch card. You know, like uh, some Jews punch in when they're visiting Israel. They'll, like, wear a kippah and be, like, all godly on their kids' bar mitzvah trip to Israel. You know, it's like you know, big bad Bobby's barbecue bar mitzvah in Israel. You know, and, and they're, like, all of a sudden everyone's given a kippah with a picture of Bobby on it, you know, and... And, uh, and the, um, so, so they're kind of punched in for a while. They, they hit the punch card. Um, I know people who wear kippahs when they visit synagogue. You know, like when they visit synagogue, they're punched in. Otherwise, they're punched out. Um, certain people are punched in at funerals. You know, they, uh, some people punch in at weddings. Some people feel they just got to put on a kippah at a, at a Jewish wedding. You know? They're punched in for that. Um, Prayer punched in. 
I remember when I was going to sleep one night as a young man here, like I was studying here in Jerusalem at Ashatar, and, and every night I would go to bed and I would take off my kippah and put it on my night table and then uh, lay down and go to sleep. And I'd say Shema, Shema Yisrael, and then take off my kippah, put it on the night table and go to sleep. And then one night, I was, laying, I was about to take off the kippah and I said to myself, you know what? God's not punching out. God doesn't punch out. Like, I actually need God while I'm sleeping, too. You know, I, he's not punching out. He's going to be very involved, not to mention other time zones, where, you know, everyone's awake and busy with their day, and, like, we're, we're, we need God over there doing his thing, you know? We need God doing his thing. And so, not punching out. So I said, that's it. You know, it'll probably fall off, fall off while I'm sleeping. And, you know, but I don't want to by hand punch out. I don't want to... I want to physically remove, you know, my punch card here. Let it fall off. But I don't want to physically remove it. And so that night I went to bed with my keep on. And I wake up every day with my keep on. So do all my, my sons. Like my sons wake up with their keep on, which is a little strange. But somehow while we're asleep, we keep it on. You know, it, it stays on somehow. And I mean, obviously, I know I had a good sleep if it fell off. You know? <laughs> that means I was out, you know. Because I guess unconsciously, as I'm rolling over and throughout the night, you know, just flipping the burger, the, uh, somehow I'm, like, keep, keeping it pressed against the pillow enough that it stays on. I don't know. I don't know. I'm asleep. But if I find my cable, like, you know, lost in space the next morning, like, that's, that's probably better news. I must have gotten some deep sleep that I was completely unaware of my keeper. So what it means to be a Jew, it means to be punched in full time. It means to be punched in full time now as if I'm punched in. Are any of us punched in full time? It really means that it's an ideal. You're born, sorry, you're, you wake up every morning a Gentile. You've been punched out, so to speak, for hours. Whether you're wearing your keeper or not, you're out. You know, you're, you've been out of it for, for hours. At least your conscious mind's been out of it. Actually, we, Kabbalistically, we learned that the soul goes straight to God for your whole sleep cycle. While you're asleep, you're with God that whole time. Which is why we actually ask God to forgive us before we go to sleep. Because the garments of the soul are going to go upstairs. Which are thought, speech, and action. The garment of the soul is thought, speech, and action. And think of the things you think about throughout a day, the things you say throughout a day, and the things you do throughout a day, and your garments are going up. You know, so you don't exactly want to send up your garments soiled. You don't want to give God soiled garments. And so it's good that before you go to sleep at night, that if you did say something or think something or do something that you're not proud of, to do a little chuva before you go to bed, meaning take responsibility for it so you can clean it off. And then go to sleep and, and send up your garments clean because your, your thought, speech, and action, the soul and its garments are going to be upstairs while you're sleeping. But anyway, you wake up, you haven't done anything yet. So who says you're not a Gentile? Meaning who says, who says you're, you are a Gentile and we'll see how you behave all day and we'll see what you thought about all day. And thinking about God is a mitzvah. It's one of the commandments for a Jew. 
Gentiles don't have to think about God all day. They just don't have to. It's great if they do. It's wonderful, but it's not commanded. A Jew, on the other hand, has to be involved in God consciousness throughout the day. And, um, and in fact, when a Jew works, the way our rabbis say is, you're allowed to use your brain to make a living. But think about it. If you're thinking about making a living, that means you're not thinking about God for that moment. But you're allowed to. Why? Well, a couple of reasons. One is the living you're making is supporting a home where you're raising more Jews. So it's like, that's more people thinking about God all day. You know, so keep that going. And if you have to, if you have to kind of partition your brain for part of the day for some business thoughts, you know, or whatever, however you make your living, which we'll just call your business, that's okay because it's supporting a home where you're going to raise another set of God-conscious beings. Um, however, here's the, here's the catch, though. They say, however, when you leave work, leave work. Because you're not allowed to worry about business. A Jew is never allowed to worry about his business when he's no longer in the position of doing the business, meaning he's home and business is over, he's not allowed to worry about it. Why? Because you were only given permission to use your brain for something other than God consciousness for work. But worrying about work is the using, it's using the brain, not for work. It's just, it's just taking it away from God consciousness. And so you were only given permission to use your brain for work while working. Not using the brain for work for worrying. That was not part of the permission slip for using the brain for that stuff. Anyway, so it's God consciousness is, is the whole point. Since I'm speaking so much about God consciousness, we should be burning a little incense. Or I'll pull out my incense burner. And, uh, hopefully we'll cross the room. I don't know how much we'll cross the room. But it takes a little while. This is uh, Livona. It's one of the 11 spices at the temple. I got my little digital Livona burner. Pass over to all of you guys and lock you lock in some God consciousness. It's got really thick smoke. It's kind of cool. Check out how thick the smoke is. Mm-hmm. Is that a secular invention? Secular invention. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but it's got a good Torah use. You know, I'm starting to think that it needs a blessing. Normally you don't make a blessing on the smoke of something. But because Livona's tree sap, some of the spices are saps. So the way of smelling it is burning it, because sap just feels like plastic, doesn't have a smell. Someone made a comment? No. Oh. stopped. Anyway, let me know if you guys start smelling it. I just smelled it that second. Yeah, good. Yeah. I think my battery, i got to plug this thing in. Okay. Now, let's just finish up. For not having made me a servant, I spoke enough about servants. And the last one is that he didn't make me a woman. How are we going to answer that one? That he didn't make me a woman? Yeah. What do you want to say? Why do you make it the blessing in the morning if, if you're not sure you're, uh, you're a Jew until the night? I mean, what shouldn't this be saved for the night? Yeah. Yeah. The reason is, is because we have a long series of morning blessings to start our day that are real, like, foundational day starters and so 
it just hit that list. In a way, you're right. Like, it probably would be a better blessing after the day. Um, now, uh, by the way, I have a smart answer for you anyway, is that, um, is that the... Let's say you did live a day that you feel like you could make a blessing on having been a Jew. Can you imagine like you lived a day like that? Where you felt like you would be willing to say God's name in the blessing? Declaring your thanks to God for having made you Jew because you were such an amazing Jew that day? Would you, anyone would raise their hand and make that blessing? You would? I probably wouldn't. Would not? I would probably would not. You know why? Because we're talking about, you know, I, I mentioned God consciousness, right? But, you know, no offense, but your God consciousness is a bit of a joke. Meaning, imagine like your God consciousness versus the Rambam's God consciousness. Or your God consciousness 10 years ago compared to how it is today. So it's, what's it going to be like 10 years from now? It's going to be exponentially greater than it was 10 years ago. Just because now you're working with so much more understanding than you were 10 years ago. So you understand, like, like the chutzpah, the brazenness of thinking that, oh, now you get to make a blessing as if you had anything today. What did you have? You had your, wherever you are at today's, I mean, you could say, I would make a blessing like this. I would say, blessed are you, God, King of the universe, who, you know, wherever I've come to at this point in my life, which is nowhere, and I've gotten nowhere, and wherever that nowhere is I've come to that I call God consciousness at my nowhere, plays. Thank you for, you know, having made me a Jew with that level of God consciousness. But, but as I'm sure everyone in this room knows what I'm talking about, Think about your life. You are so unrecognizable to yourself from a year ago. Think where you were a year ago in your God consciousness. Like, it's an embarrassment. It's literally an embarrassment. Like, how much you grow in a year of making God consciousness your goal. It's like, you were, you were a goy last year, so to speak. You were a Gentile last year. In everything you did. You know, I, I, I don't know if you've uh, tried this. I could do this because I'm on video all the time, is I watch classes. I don't watch any of my classes, but sometimes I get to see a little cut of a class. And I'll listen to things I said like a year or two ago. <laughs> Just like... You couldn't do <laughs> What were you thinking? You know, meanwhile, I'll tell you what I was thinking. I was thinking I was at some, like, cutting-edge, you know, rabbi sermon, you know, or whatever, but... But now, a year later, I'm listening to that, just going like, oh my gosh, you knew nothing. You just knew nothing. So, you get what I'm saying. So, it's like, it wouldn't be that easy. But just to finish the, um, it w sorry, it, it wouldn't be that easy to be making a blessing at the end of your day. Because I don't think any of us would make it. Uh, the, the last was about the women. Is, is Why do we make a blessing every day? not having made me a woman so so here's the thing is uh, and I can't go that deep on this because it's already after our hour but um, there's a couple things one uh, one is that women deal with mortal danger by the very nature of their ability to give birth 
they deal with mortal, mortal danger on that level. Um, another thing that women deal with is is that the is that they they have um, they're they're tied to the lunar cycle, and being tied to the lunar cycle is is, is a roller coaster ride. And men are thankful to not have that tie. Now, by the way, that's what makes women so spiritual and so connective and so, like, intuitive, you know. Like, we're missing all that, so really, we shouldn't be that thankful. But on the other hand, I think men are happy about not being on a roller coaster ride, you know. And some of you men might be on your own roller coaster ride, just that you probably have your feminine side pretty strongly developed, unless you have some chemical imbalance, at which point you're not thankful. But the... For example, I ride roller coasters way more than the average guy. I mean, you know, I mean, my lows Saturday night are so intense that uh, I'll just do anything to distract myself on a Saturday night. With uh, you know, hopefully get invited to teach a class. Last last Saturday night, I arrived Friday. Like you'd think I'd chill out for a Saturday night, but I knew what was coming. I know Saturday night's going to be low, and so I actually triple booked myself. Last Saturday night, at fifty Moroccans or sorry, ooh, fifty Syrians for third for Havdala concert. Then I spoke to a, a business, you know that a, you know a Hasidic business that brought all its employees to a talk, and then I then I spoke to like the rabbinic council of Americans, you know, to all all the rabbis of the rabbinic council. I gave a talk on you know how to work on marital uh, relationship just to give some uh, advice to trickle down into the neighborhoods where they work, you know, the, the com- communities that rabbis are. So, but I literally triple booked myself because I'm riding roller coasters, man. I, I, and I got a lot of intuition like, like women do. And, and uh, I'm riding the ride. And maybe I shouldn't make the blessing in the morning for not having made me a woman because I think he did, you know, to a certain extent, you know. And, but I also reap the spiritual benefits because just like women have that... <laughs> just like women have that connectivity I have the connectivity and, and I think a lot of people are seeking that and could be some of you even came to this class because you know that I might give over some of that connectivity during the class and, and but that's all because of the feminine side which means I'm on the roller coaster ride and hopefully harnessing that ride and not just getting taken for a ride which it feels like a lot of the time for example Saturday night I don't seem to have power over it, you know, on Saturday nights, and therefore distract myself as best I can. Um, by the way, I'm open for hire this Saturday night. If anyone wants to hire me for anything, I'll pay to come. Okay? You can hire me, and I'll give you all the money back. Now, the um, the last thing is uh, the last thing is the the uh, one thing that that we are thankful for as men. Because we have to go back to the... Sh- I'd like to risk using Rav Shach in his paradigm that who says you're not a woman? Remember his, who says you're not a Gentile? So Rav Shach says, would, we, if we apply... He wasn't talking about this part. But what if we applied Rav Shach to who says you're not a slave? And who says you're not a woman? So if you go to the slave, who says you're not a slave? Who says you're not like a robot man? That you're just like, you never reevaluate your life. You're a robot, and you're a slave to yesterday's dictates. 
that's the slave one. And when it says, and then we, we could apply Rav Shach's key, which he really only gave about the Gentile, but we could apply it to the women as, as for all the men in this room, for example, or all the men listening, who says you're not a woman? And what's that supposed to mean? Who says you're not a woman? And what that perhaps means is that if you look historically, and you have to go before the feminist movement where women take care of themselves today, and they do, but historically women are taken care of. They're taken care of. Like, for example, the word son-in-law in Yiddish is the word testimony. Like, my son-in-law, I saw one of my son-in-laws today, and I spoke to another son-in-law today. They're called adium, which means testimony. They're testimony that you didn't, that, they're testimony that you took care of your daughter. You married her off. You didn't just send her to the wolves. You know, and there's plenty of wolves out there today, you know, since the 1960s. And so, so but preceding feminism, where women now just take care of themselves, and I, by the way, I don't think they appreciate that very much. I mean, they, they pretend they do, but I think that it's not a great feeling, and that's why the majority of women who've made it to partner in most firms by the time they're in their 30s generally quit soon after when they realize this is just not what they want. And they, and so, the, and that you can check out your own stats, that's not just me. You check it out, women make partner in firms, they, they usually bail soon after when they realize this is not what they want, they'd actually like someone to take care of them. So, here's the, here's, you ready for the hit, guys? Yeah, everyone taking a deep breath. Is that you're just a little girl, and you just want someone to take care of you. That's the millennial male today. He's a girl, and he just wants someone to take care of him. He doesn't want to man up and go slay the dragons of the world out there and make something of himself, as God said to Adam, who acted like a little girl and ate from the fruit that his wife said he should eat, when God clearly said not to, is that, you know what, from now on, you're going to have to go out to the thorns and thistles and move your bag of bones around and make some make something of yourself. And maybe if you come back with something, she'll respect you and uh, stop pushing you into stupid stuff, going against going against what you knew was right. You know, the uh, the t- you know, take some responsibility for yourself, young man. And so, and so, yeah, you wake up every day just wanting to get take get cradled or cuddled or something. And no man, get up and be a man and go do something out there and. Maybe someone will even pay you for it, which will prove that you made a difference. You know, like, get up and be a man. But you don't make a blessing on being a man until you acted like one throughout your day. (laughs) Sorry. So I hope you enjoyed the class, everyone. I enjoyed speaking to you. I'm so glad I'm off my jet lag now and can finally give a good class because Sunday wasn't great. Um, And those who watched, uh, click all the bells and whistles. Rabbi Nekemeyer is on. Hit it. Oh, that sounds awesome. No, no, you're good. You're good. Keep going. I'll be back. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.